And I got to thinking that uh, the message that I'm preaching today is very relevant. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, on the screen what I'm preaching here today, and that is Election 2020, God is Watching. And I got to thinking, you know, uh, we go out over live stream, uh, we have people that go on our website and listen to our messages, uh, we encourage you to share and repost these messages, and uh, you are looking at a preacher that does not, uh, does not like or enjoy attention, but I believe that the message today is very important. I'm not an important preacher, but the message is extremely important. And I would to God that he would bless and help that this message would get out. In fact, uh, I, I, I would be thrilled if this message would go viral and thousands upon thousands of people would hear the message because of this message. And so I encourage you, uh, if you have, uh, if you are in social media or have any avenues, let me encourage you to share it, post it, tweet it, Twitter it, do whatever you do with it, and uh, try to get it accessible to more people. Because I think as a Christian, you'll see that the contents of this message is very needful and very timely. And I figured that preaching it today would give this upcoming, this next nine days, or I guess eight days, uh, it would give the opportunity for more people to uh, hear it and maybe be affected by it before November 3rd's election. And so we're, we're talking about election 2020. What does God say about America? And before I read these verses to you, let me say that today's message, the content is so important that... You may find me reading a script a little bit more than usual. I like to make eye contact, and I like to be very just spontaneous and extemporaneous and just speak from the heart. But this message is so critical that I don't want my personality or any rabbit trail that I might run have any negative effect on staying on track and making sure that the content of this message is communicated clearly. So bear with me if I spend a little bit more time than usual looking at my notes. What does God say about America? Psalm 33 verse number 12 says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. This nation was founded as one nation under God. We have on our currency the slogan, in God we trust. Now we know which God that is. It's the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. And that was the foundation of our nation. And let me say this, that there is no proof, and I've heard all kinds of fantastical messages, there is no proof that America is specifically referenced in Scripture. I know that we want to find it and we want to see it in there because we love our nation and we want to know what's going to become of us, but there is nothing that you can say beyond any shadow of a doubt that, hey, that's talking about America particularly. Probably the only thing that every American agrees on today is that the ramifications of this upcoming election are perhaps the greatest in our history. Satan has done an excellent job of turning this nation against God and God against this nation. He's been navigating this ship toward destruction. The rocks are in plain sight. The wind is contrary and the ship is worn and battered. I'd like to give you a recap of this past year. Of course, 2020 was characterized mostly by the pandemic. It has dominated people's thoughts, conversation, and certainly the headlines in our nation. The first official COVID-19 case in the U.S. was on January 22nd. From then until March 13th, when, by the way, our president declared a national emergency, travel bans were put in order, information was being gathered and communicated, and on March 13th, on March 13th, there were only seven COVID deaths reported in the United States. And that was, by the way, when he declared 
this a national state of emergency. So when he declared it, only seven COVID deaths had taken place. I'd like to remind you that from January 16th to February 5th, when all of this is beginning to go on, President Trump was going through impeachment hearings that turned out to be nothing more than political propaganda by his opponents. If you do the math, the COVID death rate in America is less than the worldwide averages. Even though the medical and scientific world has made it clear that there's not a lot that can be done with the treatment of this virus. Could our president have handled it better? Possibly. But we will never know. It is also possible that it could not have been handled any better. It is political conjecture... And I believe arrogance to armchair quarterback and say that it was handled horribly just because of the 222,000 deaths that have taken place in America. By the way, it was the virus that killed people, not the president. As I mentioned uh, during announcements, the CDC reported as many as 64,000 deaths from the flu. Now, I realize that the COVID-19 deaths have surpassed that, but at the time when our president was trying to do things to protect our nation, we had no idea really what we were dealing with. We saw that the president has done everything possible to expedite a vaccine, He supported lockdowns for a period of time when he was told that it was necessary. He has expedited medical supplies, even using the military to do so, while negotiating deals with manufacturers to swift, to switch their manufacturing from their normal product to ventilators, masks, etc. Mark my words, folks. This is my opinion right here. Mark my words. If the president's opponent is elected and the coronavirus vaccine is delayed, the new president will not be able to do any better in stopping the natural spread and death rate of this virus. And his armchair quarterbacking will force him to resort to nationwide lockdowns and more government control. He's been talking, talking, talking. We can do better. And if what I believe is reality happens, that you're not going to do much better because a virus is a virus, then um, you're going to find that extreme measures, mandates, additional costs, taking away freedom. And by the way, those of you that aren't mask proponents, uh, you will be, I believe, in my opinion you will be facing potential uh, jail time if you don't comply. Now, you've, you've heard what I've had to say. I think masks are a good thing and they are protective. Surgeons wear masks when they're operating on us. So obviously there's something to that. It certainly can't hurt anything. But to mandate it, listen, I think seatbelts are a good idea, but I don't like the government telling me I have to do it or I'm going to have to pay a fine. I I would rather just use my common sense and make those decisions for myself. In 1 Kings chapter number 8 and verse number 37, this is, this is God speaking and and this is Solomon praying and there's a, a dialogue and prayer going on. And the Bible says here, if there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, What prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know, watch this, every man the plague of his own heart. You know that it's realistic to say that plagues and sicknesses and disasters can be the result of God judging a nation for their sinful behavior. The problem here is the plague of our own hearts. We've accepted sins that God blatantly says are contrary to Him and His holiness, 
and we think that we've progressed past God and we're smarter than Him. Verse number 39, Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive and do and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. Hey, you know what could protect us? And I realize that this is a promise to Israel, and I'm dispensational. I understand all that. But you know what? The God of First Kings 8 is the same God today. And if God looks down on Israel and says, you know what? If you'll accept the fact that what's happening to you is a result of your own heart and your own behavior, and you'll turn from your behavior and turn back to me, I'll heal your land. It's the same God. I believe that he would do the same thing for America today if we would only believe him and trust him. This issue of this virus has taken center stage in the election and has been an effective smokescreen to hide the issues that matter most. The issues that have much greater long-term effect on our nation, such as... And that's what I want to talk to you about here today. My introduction's over. The first issue that has long-term effect on our nation, number one, I want to talk to you about the lives of unborn children. Can I say that a, it's a baby, not a choice? You know what, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you where I'm pro-choice. I am pro-choice. I believe that Men and women ought to make good choices before they produce a baby. That's where the choices need to take place. Once the baby is made, it's no longer a choice, it's a baby. It's a life. Now you know and I know and all of you listening know that each political party is clear on how they stand on this issue. One political party is predominantly pro-life. The other is pro-abortion. Democrats who are not pro-abortion will never break rank and vote for the unborn. I've not seen it happen, have you? They'll say, oh, I'm a pro-life Democrat. But I've yet to see them break rank when the voting actually matters for the unborn. I believe they're liars for political purposes. Let me say this. I would never, as a believer in God, knowingly vote for any candidate that was not against the murdering of unborn babies. The Bible makes it clear. Life begins in the womb. And I'd also like to say this. Science agrees with the Bible. Science says that an unborn baby constitutes human life. What happened to trust the science? Doesn't seem to apply for the unborn, does it? Well, wait a minute. Shouldn't a woman have the right to do with her body what she wants? Who told you that? It didn't come from God. Hey, it's illegal and immoral... For that same woman to take her own life, why is it okay to take the life of a defenseless baby? Hey, listen, America, take responsibility for your choices. Don't kill your baby. Bring it into the world. Hey, I made a choice, and this is the result of my choice. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to be uncomfortable for nine months of my life, and I'm going to bring this baby into this world, and I'll give it to somebody that wants it. They're everywhere. Hey, listen, we know as a church family, one of our families in the church, it was a long, drawn-out, expensive, and, and, and emotionally brutal prospect of trying to adopt a baby, to get a baby that they wanted. Hey, that's the solution. Don't kill the baby Somebody's got to speak up for it. Boy, we haven't heard this from many pulpits in a lot of years. Hey, how about this? How about this? Are are you ready for some straight talk? I've just been just beating around the bush so far. What about Black Lives Matter? 
According to the CDC abortion surveillance report, this is the government's report, this is not a conservative, this is not a Christian right-wing organization. According to the government's surveillance report, first of all, black women make up 14% of the population in America. Yet, 36% of all abortions are by black women. That's a ratio of 474 abortions to every 1,000 live births in America today. That is right at one-third of every black baby is killed in the womb. You're not going to hear those statistics on CNN. I guarantee you some of you are in shock by me reporting to you those facts. One out of every three. Let me tell you something. Black lives matter to me. My question to the black community is, do they matter to you? Really? Hey, fix that problem and then talk to me about George Floyd. What about rape and incest? Uh, All of the pro-abortion proponents have all said, well, what about if a woman gets raped or incest and then the result is a baby? Well, let me say this. We are now averaging, give or take, around 1 million abortions per year in America. The percentage of abortions due to rape or incest combined are below 1% of that. Most years, below 0.5, one half of 1%. So it fluctuates from year to year. There are abortions that take place for the protection of the life of the mother. And those range from 8% to 12%, give or take, from year to year. So if you take that, let's just take the middle average, 10%, that means 90% of every abortion according to the CDC, is a variation of the following reasons. And I've listed uh, at least a portion of them. Uh, All of the reasons listed, let me say this. I tried to be fair and just give you a sample of the type of reasons because there are some just little detailed variations, but all of them would fall under these categories. Having a baby would dramatically change my life. It would interfere with my education or career. I can't afford a baby. I can't leave my job to take care of a baby. I don't want to be a single mother. My partner and I don't want to get married. My partner is abusive to me or my children. I'm not ready for a child or another child, or I don't want people to know that I had sex. 90% fall under those general, similar, selfish, or frivolous reasons. But what about all of the back alley clinics if we make it illegal? Can I ask you a question? Why does a mother killing her baby deserve anything better than a back alley clinic? Anyhow, I'm going to move on from that. Numbers 35, verse number 33 says, So ye shall not pollute the land wherein ye are, for blood it defileth the land... And the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. Now now listen, I'm not reading that verse to say that every woman that's had an abortion should should suffer capital punishment. But I'm not saying that they shouldn't either. I'm saying that's what God says about it. What we do know is that when people are murdered, when blood is shed, it pollutes and defiles a land. And I'm here to tell you, America is a polluted nation. Has there ever, let me ask you this, has there ever been a time in your life since 1973 when America had the hope and potential opportunity to right this horrendous wrong than we do in the next four years? Hey, listen, this, I'm passionate about this subject, but I gotta be honest with you, for my entire life, every time that I voted, I voted for 
a pro-life candidate, but I've really walked away thinking, is anything going to be done? Probably not. This is the first time that at least there's hope. And the liberal left knows it. That's why they're pitching such a fit over this Supreme Court nomination. Let me tell you something. God is watching America. He wants to see what we care about the most. By the way, let me say, if anyone listening, or if you know anyone that has had an abortion, let me say this, God will forgive you. The blood of Jesus Christ. Christ died for your sins. But you've got to repent. You can't justify it and say, well, it's okay, and then expect God to forgive you. Forgiveness is always, any sin, it's preconditioned by repentance. Election 2020, folks, God is watching. The second issue is the acceptance of the LGBT agenda and same-sex marriage. The Supreme Court voted five to four to make every state in the union legalize same-gender marriages. You know which parties crying right now about the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett? They're saying, let the people decide. Let the people decide. Um, you know, they didn't believe in democracy when our state voted a majority to not allow same-sex marriage. A five-to-four vote, that's one person One vote of one justice, which, by the way, they're saying that, well, we should, we don't want activist judges. Listen, we've been putting up with them for years. Why can't they? They only believe in democracy until they lose elections. Listen, if 90% of the media in Hollywood wasn't on their side, America would see their hypocrisy and insincerity. I'd like to read to you out of Romans chapter number 1, just to kind of get our spiritual and moral compass back to the Word of God and away from our culture. Romans chapter 1 verse 24 says, Wherefore God also gave them up. By the way, this is New Testament. It's relevant. You can't say that's Old Testament. God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature." And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's my news report about America today. That's God's news report. Listen, homosexual behavior is sinful behavior. Not because right-wing conservatives are against it, but because God's against it. The normalizing of it will not reduce the rate of health hazard and emotional distress by those who commit this sin. 
You can say, God made me this way. I was just born this way. You can naturalize it and justify it all you want, but the end results are going to be the same. You will receive in yourselves that recompense of your error, which is me. God made it clear. You cannot, you cannot avoid your own conscience and the way that God created us in his image. The only hope is Jesus Christ and once again repentance. He will forgive and he will heal. But you've got to decide that you don't want your sin. You want the Savior. The president's opponents have been militantly supportive of the normalization of LGBT behavior. Just the facts, folks. The Democratic vice presidential candidate proudly performed the first Proposition 8 wedding in the state of California. Proudly. They are militant proponents of this agenda. Listen, folks, election 2020, God is watching. By the way, let me just throw this in for free. Have you ever noticed that when a president comes into office, how rapidly they age? You know why that is? The stress and the schedule put rigors on the body that most of us can't even comprehend. I believe the vice presidential candidates should always be strongly considered. In fact, 20% of all presidents in American history did not finish their term of office. Which candidate appears more robust and which one appears more weak? I'll leave you to figure that one out on your own. Issue number three, the treatment of Israel. Very important issue. In the midst of a failed impeachment trial and pandemic, the president managed to accomplish some peace accords between Israel and three other nations that previously have never even come close to peace. The media has hardly said anything about it. No big deal. That would have been unprecedented news not too many years ago. Speaking of peace, you remember at the beginning of our president's term that the biggest fear was North Korea? Oh, I remember it. I was worried about it. No one worries about that a whole lot today. The president made it crystal clear that he would respond with a strong hand if certain lines were crossed. And even even the media and the liberal left would have to agree that when he says he's going to respond with a strong hand, he's not just talking. He's proven that time and time again. He made it clear that certain lines, if they're crossed, they're going to have to answer to us. But he did not provoke, but rather befriended those that we felt threatened by. Now he's being attacked by the same people who just knew that he was going to fly off the handle and provoke us into a war. Doesn't make sense, folks. In Genesis 12, verse number 3, the Bible says, God says to Abraham, the father of Israel, he says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. As individuals and as a nation, if we want the blessings of God, it is conditioned upon how we treat the Jew. Number four, let's talk about the economy. We know it's always going to come up. It does in every election. I'd like to say this. You don't need a report to know how the economy did the last four years. If you had a mutual fund or a retirement account, you can track the values from 2008 to 2016. Compare them to 2017 to 2020, at least the beginning of this year. And you can look at the stock market, the stock values. You can look at jobs. Listen, four years ago, eight years ago, people were always saying, well, there's, there's some jobs out there, but not any good ones. And now when somebody applies for a good job, they're having to decide which one am I going to take. I got eight offers. I got to figure out which one I want. Hey, the news media is not going to tell you that. 
I don't even need to tell you, you lived the last four years, you had family, you had friends, everybody knows that it's the truth. We don't even have to hear our president say it. It it, it was so obvious. The president has said what he would do with taxes, and his actions have been consistent with his promises. His opponent has said emphatically that he would raise taxes. He says he'll only do it on the wealthy, but he's got a track record that says otherwise. By the way, let me say this. This is just common sense. When the government promises to pay for your health care, your education, for your infrastructure, for anything, you name it, your cell phones, your laptops, when the government promises to pay for all of those things, the money has to come from somewhere. Just common sense, folks. And by the way, our energy independence in the last four years has been unprecedented. It's never happened before. And it has broken our dependence on Arab Muslim nations. I think that's a pretty good thing. Number five, let's talk about foreign policy. I believe that most hardworking taxpayers resent the billions upon billions of dollars that are sent to countries like Iran that hate us. And, and they hate our guts. They cash the checks and despise us in the process. Our current president has not pulled any punches with terrorists, has recognized that terrorism is associated with a religion, Islam. We didn't hear that for eight years. We heard it sugar-coated. We heard it soft soap. We heard all kinds of things. But listen, when was the last time in the last four years that we've really, really felt threatened by the same thing that we felt threatened by the previous eight years? Or the previous 12, 16 years, I should say. Hey, something's, something's causing them or limiting them from operating under the radar. I'm not saying that that threat's over. I'm just saying that when's the last time that we really felt threatened by that? I think that's pretty important, don't you? What do you you think will happen if we go back to the philosophies of the previous administration? I guess uh, hopefully we won't find out, but we might. Number six, health care. That's a big issue today, isn't it? Big issue. And you know what? I've I've heard all kinds of things, and this is a complicated... uh, I don't even think that the people that know about it know about it. Here's what I do know about the Affordable Health Care Act. I know this, okay? Before the Affordable Health Care Act, me and my wife had a $13,800 deductible, meaning our insurance didn't pay a dime until we spent $13,800 on medical expenses. And that cost us $486 a month. Or I guess I should say the cost of it was. Uh, it's a benefit from my employer. God bless you all. Now, now under the Affordable Health Care Act, we have a $14,000 deductible with no additional or improved benefit, benefits, and the cost of it is $1,706.18 per month. Affordable? <laughs> It, it more than quadrupled overnight. And, and, and I look at that, it's like, you know what? I, I can't afford that. My church family, that's, that's too much to pay. What do we do? Well, fortunately, fortunately, we did our income bracket. And by the way, why should a product be more for somebody that has more money than it is for someone? Shouldn't the product be the product? Here's the product, here's the value, everybody pays the same. It's just, it's not fair. So, 
Thankfully, we qualified for the government subsidy. But I got to be honest, I hold my nose. Listen, this, this is the way it is. I, and, and listen, I am the, uh, I guess I'm the, I'm the boss and the church of the employer. It's kind of an interesting situation. You know, I, I make the decisions as to whether the church pays for my insurance or not. The deacons certainly have a part in it. But you know what? We would gladly pay $500 a month for the same rotten insurance. But instead, instead, uh, we are taking $20,474.16 per year from the government to take care of our insurance needs. Oh, I assure you, I don't pay that in taxes. So now, I, me and my family, or me and my wife anyhow, we are dependents upon the government for insurance. Now listen, intelligent brothers and sisters... I don't care how, what you call it or how you slice it and dice it, that's socialized medicine. If you don't call it that, but that's what the effect of it is, then it is what it is. So I think that's something that people need to understand. Number seven. Number seven. Let's talk about climate change. Before I came to church, I went out in my backyard, and I hugged one of my trees. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. Sorry, Lord. I said I wouldn't crack wisecracks, but anyhow. So climate change. What do we, what do we hear parroted time and time again? Trust the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. Oh, you mean the same ones who teach us that we all came from a big bang billions of years ago? and evolved from an amoeba to a tadpole to a monkey to a Democrat? (laughs) (laughs) Here's what the Word of God says in 1 Timothy 6.20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. God says that He has given us dominion over the earth as stewards, but the earth is not, the earth is here for us. We are not here for the earth. Scientists tell us of ice ages and all kinds of global changes billions and billions of years ago, right? Long before man was ever on the planet or industrialized. And I'm talking about according to what they say. And yet, one eruption of a single volcano puts more emissions in the atmosphere than everything that man has done combined. They know it, but they don't tell you that. Let me tell you something. I don't trust the scientists. Number eight. Here's a hot topic. Racial inequality and violence. I'd like to say this. And uh, this has been proven time and time again. You cannot legislate unity. Peace and prosperity has improved greatly for minorities in America. I'm not saying it's it's perfect. I'm I'm not even going to say it's great. I'm just saying, hey, we know it's improved drastically. Hey, we had a black president for eight years. Some of the most successful businessmen, athletes, and leaders in America are black. Yes, yes, black lives matter. But this movement is not helping. When a person says, and I quote, all lives matter, he's labeled a racist. That's crazy, folks. Listen, the only thing that will bring racial equality is for all races to practice good behavior. You know what? I'm not proud of being white. I just can't help it. I was born this way. Listen, it's it's just the color of my skin. 
Our behavior and actions and how we treat one another are the only things we can control. Reverse discrimination cannot make all the wrongs of the past right. It only adds to the list. So what's the answer? The answer is what Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 39, after he said that the first commandment is to love God with all of our heart. He said, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Doesn't matter where they're from, how much they have, what their education or the color of their skin is. Everyone is our neighbor and we need to love them as ourself. Hey, who do you think is drawing the most attention to skin color today? I, I, we drawing all this attention to it is not helping. If we don't stop listening to the media and start listening to Jesus, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. Until bigotry ends, we all need to obey the laws and do what police officers tell us to do. Let me just let me just say this is I say this with care and love and warning. If you pull a weapon on a police officer, expect to get shot. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. You pull a weapon, you're going to get shot. That's a caring and a common sense statement. You accuse me of racism. And I accuse you of being childish and ridiculous. Romans 12, verse number 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Election 2020, folks. God is watching. I got two more and then I'm done. Number nine, let's talk about guns. I like guns. You know what? Nobody taught me to like guns. I liked them from ever since I can remember. Listen, reasonable gun laws are okay. Sometimes the NRA gets just a little bit maybe afraid that any law is going to encroach upon our right. I understand that. But listen, reasonable gun laws laws are okay. The state that I come from no longer requires a permit to conceal carry. They have a large rural population. But you know what? My personal opinion, I wouldn't want that law in this state. That's no knock on this state. I just, I've been in both and I've seen the difference. And I don't think that would be a good law in this state. Hey, I don't think that they should, uh, I, I don't think that automatic weapons should be legal any more than RPGs or weaponized tanks. Reasonable gun laws are perfectly fine. But regardless, history demonstrates that gun control always precedes government revolution and oppression, with no exceptions. I believe in the preservation of the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. You say, how can you believe in that as a Christian? I'm glad you asked. Luke 22, let's see what Jesus said to his disciples in verse 36. He said, then he said unto them, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it. He's talking about how that when he sent them out before, he said, don't take any money with you. Don't take an extra coat. I'll take care of you. And, and don't, don't take a sword. He said, but now he's getting ready to die on the cross and leave them. He says, now he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it's enough. You don't have to stockpile an arsenal. Have enough to protect your person against somebody that might be bigger than you or can cause you harm and do the best you can. Listen, I want to protect my wife's husband. (laughs) And I want to protect my family as well. And so that's what it's for, and Jesus approves of it. 
Which party demonstrates the most traditional approach to the Second Amendment? I think that most people know the answer. And my last issue, number 10, is religious liberty. The further a country leans towards socialism, the more the government controls your life. Nothing is free. When a person cannot or does not govern himself and provide for himself, the government will, but never without a price. If our president's opponent or running mate ends up in the White House, how do you think our religious freedom and freedom of speech will be affected? Let me give you a kind of extreme example. Let's say that we go out and do our street ministry and we have a sign printed up that has nothing but Scripture on it, but it has Leviticus 20 verse number 13 printed on it. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. I'm not saying we should do that, okay? I'm not for mean-spirited outreach and ministry, all right? I'm not saying we should do that, but wouldn't you agree that if we put that on a sign, we're just giving them God's Word? I'm not ashamed of what God said, are you? If we did that today, we might get some backlash. But if someone tried to harm us, the police would be obligated to protect us. If our current president loses on November 3rd, how do you think this scenario is going to play out in the next four years? I find it plausible that the police will be arresting us, not protecting us. Just my opinion. But I will say this, election 2020, God is watching. Conclusion. One candidate professes to be a Roman Catholic. Well, his policies don't make him a very good one. The other professes to be a non-denominational Christian. Well, his personal behavior and demeanor don't make him a very good one either. Just telling the truth. As we've always said, the answer for America is not in an election. What we need most is God's favor and blessings. We will not receive them until we start doing things His way. He's been gracious. He's been merciful. But we must start progressing. I'm a progressive, by the way. We need to start progressing in the right direction. And that is back toward God. We are way better off with an unlikable leader who is doing the right things and leading in the right direction than an amiable leader that's only patronizing his constituents. I I notice the difference. One is like, I don't like the way he's saying it, but I like what he's saying. The other is like, oh, that sounds like the same rhetoric that I always hear in an election. All this, these buzzwords and talk that there's no, there's nothing, there's no meat to it. It's just, Playing on people's emotions and stuff. I, I know I know somebody that is very good at that that the Bible tells us and warns us about. Anyhow. So you study the kings of Israel and Judah, and it makes it clear that one leader can make a world of difference in a nation regarding God's favor. We get the privilege in America to vote for our leaders. And it is a privilege. The issues we've discussed today do not just apply to the presidential candidate, but also the Senate, House of Representatives, all the way down the line. If the Liberal Party controls the White House and both legislative branches, we're in bad trouble, folks. Vote for the issues that matter. And that's where I'm well within my rights as a preacher of the gospel in a church in America today because I'm talking about voting the issues, not the person. Amen. 
I'm convinced that God has providentially brought America to this point. The, the things that have transpired in the last year are just uncanny. And it, I mean, it's just, whoa. Who would have thought series of event after event after event? Hey, there are, there are forces at work that we cannot see and we cannot know. But I believe that God has allowed it to bring America to this point. His eyes are beholding what we want as a nation. He will give us what we want, but we might not want what we get. David understood that in Psalm 106 and verse 15. God says, he says, God gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their soul. Regardless of who wins, let me say this, the upcoming months are going to get a little scary. Just, just think, of the, think this thing through. People are not behaving maturely and rationally. There's not a lot of patriotism, true patriotism going on in America. I mean, the losing side doesn't like to accept the results. It really just kind of frosts me that those who uh, were not in approval of the administration the previous eight years, and we just put up with it and tried to support the office and be good citizens and recognize the fact that, hey, we lost and they won. You don't see that the last four years. But because of the lack of of maturity, and especially emotional maturity, of people today, plus a lack of respect for authority from the top all the way down, I'm telling you, it's going to get scary no matter who wins or loses. The other side, listen, the winners are going to feel excessively empowered and the losers are going to feel chafed and fearful. The losing side's no doubt just going to add fuel to the fire. Listen, be prepared for that, but don't be afraid, okay? Don't let a spirit of fear control you, but be prepared. You know, things might get ugly in November, December, January. It may take a few months for things to finally settle down, but uh, could get a little bit interesting. I remind you of Psalm 127, verse number 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. What can we do? Well, we can pray. We can vote for biblical values. We can be a good citizen. And hopefully we can be an even better Christian. It's all we can do. And when it's all said and done, we've just got to keep our eyes on Christ. Folks, anyone listening, election 2020, God is watching. He's watching how we vote. Certainly God's people, if anybody, ought to vote for God's values. The issues are important. And we have an opportunity to make a difference like I've never seen in my lifetime And so let's pray and let's do the right thing. Make a difference and whatever happens, above all, let's keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ because He's coming back. And uh, that's what we're looking for is the blessed hope, not the American dream.